I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. As we begin to close out 2023 and celebrate our first full year of podcasting, we felt it was fitting to cast our minds back across the last 12 months and relive some of the highlights in two special gift wrapped episodes for your listening pleasure, just in time for the holidays. As you'll remember, we kicked off the year reviewing 2022 with Lucy Killick for Film and Episodic, Sarah Koshwa for FPS, James Razzle for IA, and of course, Carl Woolley for Immersive. We hosted a number of special episodes as we celebrated Women's History Month, Pride, Refugee Week and Black History Month, as well as some department-focused episodes with the Labs team, Comp, DMP, and of course, the Mighty Framestore training team. As a learning and talent development podcast, we've collected some of the best of the best nuggets from this year's episodes. Our 2023 summary will be a retrospective highlights reel of sorts in two parts, pulling out some common themes we saw come up in conversation again and again. On this week's episode, we take a deep dive into the craft of mentoring, the importance of staying curious and asking questions, and a whole host of career essentials elicited from our golden nugget of career advice question. So as always, make yourself a warm beverage, curl up somewhere comfortable, and please enjoy episode 34, part one of our 2023 retrospective on the Framestore podcast. So, kicking us off is Creative Director and VFX Supervisor, Russell Dodgson, who takes us through the role of VFX Soup. This is the first appearance of the theme of micro-mentors that has subsequently come up a lot on the pod. We also get into why Russell enjoys working with people more talented than him, and a lot more. Yeah, sure. I think I think there's lots of different types of VFX supervisor, which is why it's a great role. And I think there's a lot of room for different types of skills or backgrounds. And, and I think also different projects require different things as well. Like you get projects that have auteur directors who have got an incredibly strong sense of style and design and know exactly what they want, what they want. And your job is to handhold them through the technical execution of that. You get other shows where you are required to get much more involved in story and helping to use the visual effects in the best way possible to get the narrative across, which is, I think, more of the kind of projects that I've managed to land myself on. And I think a real big part of it is just to do with soft skills and to do with being able to take a load of people on a journey with you and try and make everybody feel valued, make everybody feel like they've got as much agency as you can possibly give them. Uh, I think when you're, I think on the client side, you know, you have to you have to know and understand the depth of pain that happens on the client side. It's very easy to see clients as, as a problem, but they're not. They are people with problems, and they are trying to. And you are part of trying to solve those problems for them. So I think the more you understand the background of production design, screenwriting, every single portion of that side of making a film or a TV show or a immersive experience, whatever it might be, everybody you're dealing with as a person. Those people have work problems. Those people have life problems. You know, and you have to remember that that's what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with a machine. And then down from you, or and I'd say not down from me, I'd say across from me, because I just basically work with a load of people that are probably more talented than I am. But I just happen to have a skill set that fits to being the translation layer between people with kind of creative desires. Some of them are clear and some of them aren't. And a crew of uber talented people who I need to kind of shepherd them to make sure that the, the content fits the brief. That's how I would describe what I think is good supervision. It is it is a bona fide leadership role, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. I think I, I think you can make the mistake of thinking it's about technology or it's about art only, but it's really a people game. Being a being a, especially being a client side VFX supervisor, because I can you know they always say that you should hire to your weaknesses, and when you do a visual effects show, everything is a weakness because everything is hard. So you know I rely completely on a team of people around me. And that's why I actually really wanted to correct. It's not below you. It's it's people alongside you that you're taking with you. The start materials wouldn't happen if it wasn't for the people making it. It probably could happen without me, to be honest. I'm just sort of surrounded by so many of them. You know, in terms of mentors, 
I find that really difficult to answer. I think support and comfort, like for example, knowing Mel Sullivan is in the company because she's just an, like as a human, she is amazing. And knowing that that's there is really, really brilliant. Rob Harrington, you know, having kind of like a person that is just that lovely to work with and that egoless, you know, has been amazing. And, you know, I, there's just been, honestly, like I've, now I've done it again, I've said two people, and now there's 50 people that I haven't mentioned that would all be equally valid. But yeah, I, there's just so many people. And it's, I think it's like, I've never really had what I would consider to be a mentor who is one person that I would go to. I've always had loads of micro mentors and I think it's all about having your, your mind be open enough to accepting advice and accepting, you know, or appreciating, just look, watching someone and go like, I really appreciate how they do what they do. You know, sometimes it can just be observing. They don't need to say a word. You can just watch and go like, that's brilliant. And actually a, a lot of the crew on Dark Materials, you know, on the production side, people like Jane and, you know, they've been amazing. So yeah, lots of people. Mentors can come from any walk of life, can't they, I guess, from any direction. I like your take on micro-mentors. I'm going I'm to borrow that. I'm going to take that for sure. On our first Women's History Month episode, Patricia Laguno, now head of 2D in London, and co-host M. Hackley, junior compositor, discussed the Framestore Global Mentoring Programme, the practicality of having more than one mentor, the flexibility of mentoring and a nod to our obviously excellent mentoring training that speaks to our innate desire to pass on knowledge. I certainly am. Um, I reach out to my mentor or she reaches out to me once every couple of weeks. We're both very busy with, you know, our own uh, prospective jobs, but she always gives really insightful feedback on the industry and frame store and how to navigate it, which is just invaluable information. And Patricia, I remember having a really uh, interesting conversation with you when I started and we were talking about mentoring. And one of the fundamentals of the program is the recognition that our industry is quite unique in that we have quite considerable crunch times on jobs. And part of the training that I do with our mentees now is explaining that communication is key because your mentor is going to potentially be off the grid for a period of time that does not mean they're not engaged just means they're busy on a job uh, we have the same with some folks who are taking periods of leave for example we had a, a cfx artist who's off to have a have a baby and she's just been connected to her mentee and they've agreed to pause let her go off and then start her family and come back and and carry on so that's the the, the wonderful flexibility of it all and, and actually thanks to you patricia that's a a big part of the program now based on that early intel i got from you yeah i think it's i think it's definitely worthwhile um building in which you have done um some flexibility in terms of um access but not that doesn't mean just you know not feeling pressured to have uh, regular access because then you know you don't want to be letting down anybody or making people wait around and feel unsupported i think that sometimes a lot of people because they're so busy they maybe get a little bit hesitant to offer, you know, to volunteer help, to volunteer mentoring because they 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 think they're not going to be able to deliver the goods essentially, and they are, you know, they are afraid of being of letting other people down at a point in their careers when it's so crucial to have that support. So I think that by just making it feasible for people to offer the time and the skills when when they can and how they can, maybe. For artists to have multiple mentors, they can feel different areas of their needs and uh, and the skills that, that they want. I mean, I I was quite happy to you know to fill in and just to discuss a wide variety of things and like have chats to people. I I find it really um you know by having the opportunity to just offer support in the in the in the way that you can actually give it and sometimes propose things. I found the introduction to mentoring. And the little bit of training that you gave us all in terms of being successful mentors, fascinating in the sense that obviously there is at times such a desire to pass on all of the knowledge that sometimes you overwhelm people and also you're passing on things that are maybe not relevant. And, though you know, you just have to really always remind yourself that you just need to be very focused on what the mentee is actually asking of you and what they want to gain from the experience. And it's a little bit of a balancing act because often like when people are starting up, well, I remember when I was starting up, 
there's blind spots everywhere. Of course, there are. It's not that they're blind spots. It's just that you're getting going. So you've, you have the field of vision that you have because that's where you've been. And so in a way, the things that you think you're lacking might not be the things that you need, but it's just balancing, listening to people, but also giving them a little bit of context and throwing other nuggets of stuff to them that might that you think might be interesting, exciting, relevant, and might ground them a little bit so that they're better placed to explore their careers, to, to have more options, because it's all about having all the options, right? It's all it's, it's about having an awareness of everything that's in there so that you can make, make good decisions and get properly excited about things. So Patricia kicked off our Women's History Month series of special episodes, but little did we know that we would continue our female talent spotlight for over three months. Here are a few mentoring highlights, including VFX scheduler Ellen Boss on her strong female mentors and creative director Vicky Osborne on her role as a female mentor, plus her take on the micro-mentor angle and why mentors don't have to be senior. We also hear from Suzanne Jandu talking about why CCO Mike McGee is such an inspiring mentor and art department head Martin McRae discusses how VFX legend Mike Mill, his mentor on Walking With Beasts, taught him how to work creatively within his limitations. Uh, and I, th- I think especially because it's Women's Month, they, they really have, there have been three and there's two at Framestore that are living and breathing and kicking around and, and they are my managers. It's Emma Malpass and Abby Orchard. They are, they are literally the heartbeat of yeah. integrated advertising and they're such like a dynamic duo like Abby with a production background and she's very sort of assertive and so much experience and kind of brings all of that crewing knowledge down to me and is very good at um yeah like pushing me to fly and then you have Emma Malpass who is equally in her own right amazing but is a talent manager and she is there to make sure that everyone is thriving everyone is happy there's a problem she's going to look into it and help fix it and they have just been incredible to me ever since I started um and it's amazing that they're both women as well because I love that um but yeah I mean my my first ever mentor and she's she'll always sort of be my mentor in my life is the owner of the dance studio that I used to work at oh, in New cool. Zealand. And she, she taught me a lot about professionalism and cause we're good friends. And at the time, you know, she's a bit older than me, but we, we had this really like beautiful friendship and it was difficult working with your friends and especially someone who runs their own business and that's their baby and you're their employee as well as their friend. Um, but without her managing me first, I don't think I would be, the person that I am today. So I love that I just have three strong women sort of professional mentors in yeah, my life. Awesome. It's incredible. A bit of a divergence, but and it's not one of the set questions, but as a, a senior female creative, Vicky, do you feel a, a responsibility to to really lean into role modeling and, 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 you know, bringing the next generation up. I do. And it's not necessarily because of the female aspect. As I was coming up, I lent on a lot of people around me for knowledge. And I think it's part of the industry and part of the learning your job. It's so important to learn from people around you. And I know I'm probably jumping into a question that you were going to ask me anyway, but like, I don't remember one particular mentor that stood out, but because there was so many people, you know, everyone helped each other, everyone learned from each other, everyone used to ask questions, was open to questions. It's just that kind of environment was very important for learning. And I feel a responsibility to be part of that open and learning nature for anyone, because it's so important to, it's it's not stuff that you can learn (laughs) online stuff that you have to learn on the job. And I do feel a responsibility as a woman to do that too, but I I think it's almost in there anyway, just because I feel that responsibility to everyone, you know, no matter who they are. Because whilst I've had lots of great people over the years, it really is like a a community vibe there. Like everyone helps everyone. And and I really couldn't name check just one person. It's really, it really is important to, everyone you sit next to needs to act in that way towards each other. 
Um, and it's two-way street, you know, you can learn, you can learn a lot from people with less experience too, you know, it's really important to, to not get arrogant or not to stop learning or anything. I think it's important to, the mentors are always learning too, you know. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I agree. Micro mentors for sure. We mm. we all have so many because you know you you always kind of look up to one person when you're working on a project because you're learning, you know, yeah. from every project. Um, mm -hmm. But the one mentor that I have at Framestore is Mike McGee. Oh, cool. And I say that because he has so many qualities that I admire. Um, he's soft spoken and calm. And he's always trying to better himself, whether it be through mm -hmm. charities or sports or looking for new creative endeavors. Mm -hmm. um, he's so approachable and honest and respects his team. And I just admire the fact that there's so much transparency in town halls and that yeah. you can just ask questions if you want to. Yeah. I haven't had that at any other company. Yeah, that's true, actually. And I really admire that, that there is space to be heard and to to ask uh, a question in front of all of your fellow colleagues, which is also, I think, sometimes tricky. Yeah. And, you know, once I um, was doing a presentation and I was panicking a little bit about it, and so um, someone recommended that I talk to Mike. So I approached him and asked him if he could look at my presentation with me, expecting him to spend two minutes. You know, I know he's really busy. But he sat with me and he's and he spent so much time really trying to help me. And he really he was really he was such a good coach. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just I never forgot that moment, you know, of, of someone who's so incredibly busy and talented spending a couple of I don't even know how long I think it was an hour or longer just going through, you know, the entire presentation. And he even gave me his own presentation notes so that i could jazz up mine Wicked. so yeah just great, just, great answer. just a, a great human all around coming into this industry uh, i have to say it was mike milne mm -hmm. he was kind of spearheading the walking with dinosaurs and the walking with beasts mm. he um he kind of taught me the main thing i got from mike was he was very respectful and he gave you space. And again, I learned a lot of that from him. Mm. And he, he kind of taught you how to be inventful with limitations. And there was obviously because back in these days, the, the, the budgets were a lot more limited, especially yeah. for something like the Walking With Cities, because it was a BBC series and they didn't yeah. have massive budgets. And they, they were kind of learning as they were going along as well. Mm -hmm. But he kind of taught me to kind of within limitations of what the tools we had to try and come up with inventive ways of getting a good result. So I think for me, um, Mike was a huge influence when I first joined Framestore. Yeah, no, great, a great example. Thank you. And yeah, like you say, just to be taught that at the outset of your, your career, I mean, what a foundation, right? Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was great. We continued the theme around mentoring and support throughout our race and ethnicity themed episodes this year, namely our fascinating conversation with diversity and inclusion specialist NG Giroux on our Refugee Week special back in June and our two recent Black History Month episodes with FX artist Abdu Sako, who talked about working on his first show, an X-Men movie at NPC with mentor Mike Mendez, the first senior to trust him on his first show along with lots of micro-mentor chat and echoing Vicky Osborne's view that mentors don't need to be senior, and technology strategist Lorna Dumba and Company 3's global VP for HR and EDI, Jimmy Vaughan, on the concept of black futures and the future of mentoring. I mean, definitely access VFX, as I was saying earlier, during the process of applying for a job. Um, also, I had Lion... Thompson, I think his surname is, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, um, who is uh, my mentor uh, from the Global Mentorship Scheme. Um, so that has been amazing to also yeah. have him. Um, and obviously, Amy. Yeah. Very, very grateful for the three of them. Yeah. Good, good. What makes them great mentors? Oh, do they all bring something different to the, to the mentoring table? 
definitely each of them are very different. Um, that's one. Second, they are active listeners, as you were saying earlier. Mm -hmm. um, I think to be a good mentor, you need to be listening. Yeah, um, and they're very creative um, in their suggestions in how I can tackle things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, incredible. Brilliant. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, the, the best mentors are listeners and sounding boards. Sorry, I'm, I'm speaking to all the training that I've done on mentoring recently. I'm not just regurgitating <laughs> content, but that's the thing that we, I always take from those conversations is somebody who can just be there and listen to you, but still give you that creativity, that, that focus, that allow you to come to your own conclusions and, and actions. Yeah. I will say Benoit, yes, absolutely. Uh, there is Mike Mendez also. He was mm. uh, my, when I was also starting at NPC, he was the first one that I would say, he was not a lead, but he was a senior. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing when I started at NPC, you know, imagine my first show was um, X-Men Dark Phoenix, the first show ever that I do. The first effects that they asked me to do is on the main effects of Jane, which is the dark panic effects when she go on fire. Wow. So you cannot start in the most harder way than that. But I had Mike. Mike was uh, the one who was de uh, developing the tool and everything. So with him, I learned so much. You know, I mean, in one month, I think that I've learned more than anything that I've done at school and everything in one month with him. So him too, I would say that he really helped me because he really helped me to put my ground there and really understand how to navigate and work with stuff. Mm. So Benoit Robert, 100%, but Mike Mendez also, it's, a, it's another one that helped. Yeah. And all the others, to be honest, there's so many. Each show, there was always, always, always some reliable people that makes me who I'm at today. And that's thanks to all of them. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, there's so many, um, Rus Russell Dodgson mentioned it on his episode. He talked to, he coined the phrase, phrase micro mentors, which I've brought up on the podcast a few times where, and actually, actually it speaks to your point, Chris, around, you know, starting a new show. And then, and, and what you said, Abdu, about all of the people who make the sh that show great and, you know, all the people connecting and working as a team. So I imagine you're surrounded by mentors at all levels, whether it's uh, junior to you or, or senior to you or, or peer to peer. I think uh, every like every day is a school day, right? It's uh, constantly learning. And it doesn't always have to be a um, senior. You know, yeah. I've learned a lot, a lot yeah. from junior also. You know, you learn from all of them. Oh, totally. It goes back to the Afro VFX work that you do. I mean, one of the biggest mentoring myths is uh, your mentor doesn't always have to be some senior sage person who's been in the game for 50 years. You know, it could be somebody who's just got into industry and you get to soak up their perspectives of industry as they come in. And uh, there's so much reverse mentoring going on there. It's unreal, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I was going to say something cheeky. There is a world in which the future allows you to bring back those who have gone or passed. And I like to explore this. I like to meditate on this idea. So these holographic concepts where people are coming back as holograms and using data sets to harvest. And I want to stress it as ethically as this can be done in order to bring the ideas and the concepts that would have been stated or phrased or held by certain individuals, but then bring them into the current context and nice. then maybe run remixes or simulations or variations on how they may have explored what's going on now. So I like the idea of the past and the future coming together and also with a little extra spin, like this collective hive nature of, you know, like crowd sourcing, but crowd minding, where you plug up all of these general consensus semantics of what people are thinking and, yeah, sort of sentiment analysis. And that's what I'm interested in. So in the future, bringing everyone together, coming up with some, some challenging questions and seeing what the group, putting it to the people and then having a splash of some really cool people from the past who are not oh, that's around. Amazing. I could get kind of like John Lennon to be my mentor or Tupac's <laughs> two two hologram from Lollapalooza all those years ago. And he could sit down with Pac and, and drop some knowledge on me. I love that idea. 
that's a future I, I like the sound of. Just cherry pick your mentor from the past who can bring some fresh perspective on the future. I mean, with 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 the advances that we've seen even right now, like yeah, Stephen right. talking about ChatGPT, it actually feels really probable. Yeah, not just yeah. possible. Like it actually feels very probable that you can, you know, take kind of a some of the work that people have, have have kind of done and some of the statements and the the work and artwork and you know things that they've just published and put out there finding essentially what their true north was and applying yeah. it to to normal like or to everyday kind of regular situation like that's really fascinating lorna how dare you drop that now yeah. you've just kind of i was like whoa dropping that so late in the podcast right okay let's add another hour to the episode like, as you were saying it as you were saying it i was like dang So we got lots of advice from our guests this year. Let's talk about one particular piece of advice that came up so repeatedly, it needs its own section, curiosity and asking questions. Patricia Laguna helped us name this section by talking about the importance of curiosity and Lorna Dunbar helped define how being interested helps you keep sharp and listen more than you talk. I think it goes back again to something that Emma was saying before. And I think is you have to be curious. You have to be curious. You have to talk to people. But you do have to be genuinely curious and keep questioning yourself that if, you, if you're just taking the short answer to something and you're not digging around more and you're not thinking, oh, they, they gave me X, Y, and Z notes and I've hit X, Y, and Z notes. And while I was doing Y, I thought... Hmm, but I wonder what would happen if I did this. If you don't go there, you'll always regret it. So I just think you have to keep going there. You go there, do the notes, do everything, try to learn, try to tick the boxes, but then do push yourself to throw your hat in the ring and do your alternative versions to things, to just try and check it and see what happens, to test things. And I just think you, know, you just have to be, um, you have to have some fun with it. You have to be pushing the envelope a bit. can I use interesting again I think to to be interested things are interesting because you are interested in what's going on so I feel like it's an underrated skill and I think me working on that because it's very easy to get caught in the day-to-day to be able to go from A to B to get to the end goal but also being opening the aperture up so that you can increase that surface area for serendipity and that's that yeah. being interested so I think that's that's particularly within my role is a really kind of sweet spot where you can sniff things out because you've been looking very openly across the horizon and you're starting to see these patterns and that means not being closed off to certain things and affording yourself to yeah listen more than you talk put yourself in other people's shoes get talking to individuals not sitting up in a room and looking at experiments or talking to technologies, actually engaging with people and hearing what they think yeah. about what you're doing or what could be needed. I love the, uh, the, the analogy of opening up the aperture. I think that's a great, yeah. a great turn of phrase. So many guests recommended asking questions with no shame. Ellen Boss summed it up beautifully. I mean, I wish I had something really sort of unique, but it's not. It's, it's to just ask questions. And I think yeah. understand that your voice is valuable and people people love kind of imparting knowledge, like especially yeah. the artists. They love kind of sitting down with you and showing, showing you how they do their job. Um, so, yeah, not being afraid to ask questions, especially at Framestore, because I do truly believe you're given the space to ask those questions. Um, and if not, then just ping them to me and I'll ask those questions. <laughs> but it's important. It's cool to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the, the art of curiosity, which comes up a lot on the podcast, actually. It's about, you know, embracing curiosity as a superpower rather than not asking the question that might be perceived as being silly. And actually, there's no such thing, right? It's all about there's how no you learn. such thing. And I mean, exactly. like, even if you think of it on the level, like a compositor isn't necessarily going to know unless they studied it at uni which I guess uni students nowadays they have quite a breadth of um, 
you know, training. But a compositor isn't necessarily going to know the ins and outs of an effects artist or an animator. So it, it might be, it might feel like a stupid question to that animator, but how on earth are they going to know the answer to that question? It's mm. just not their realm. Yeah. Um, so I guess being in production or management, you can often feel like all questions are stupid because you're not as like technologically savvy <laughs> as these artists. But no, that's, that's not true because they, you know, they'd probably have the same questions about your job as well. Not only is asking questions helpful when you need help, but it's even more important and prominent given other challenges we face too, from hybrid working to mental health struggles. Here's some of our guests discussing the subject of asking for help as strong advice for us all to keep in mind. We hear from Global Head of Modelling Matt Hughes and VFX coach Debbie Coleman on our management and leadership special earlier this year, discussing hybrid working, VFX associate producer Raphael Weiss on the power of a question mark and how when we delegate to elevate, we support mental health. And Abdu Sarko encourages us all to stop being shy and focus on self-care first. It's, it's become harder, I think, with the hybrid working in the sense i think if you're a seasoned senior tens of years of experience you're probably more autonomous and happy to be like just doing your thing and delivering your work i think if you're coming in new it's much trickier because traditionally you're always sat you've always been sat amongst people of various levels of expertise and you can just turn to your left and say hey uh, how would i do this and someone say oh try this this and this now online remote i think it that can slow that process down, I feel. You suddenly have to do a G-chat, wait for someone to get back to you, or you have to book in a meeting, wait for that meeting to happen. So is it, I think if you're in the office on days uh, with the seniors and uh, the, the leads are in, if you're a junior or a mid, try and be in those days because chances are any questions you have will be answered like really quickly. And I think you know, benefit you. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. I think everyone's everyone's still trying to adjust, aren't they, to this hybrid working? Um, and I think, yeah, particularly it's the more junior artists who are maybe, uh, you know, suffering as a consequence of not being surrounded by experts they can learn from. Um, so I think that's a really important tip. If you can be in on the same day as your supervisor or lead you're going to get your you're going to learn more quickly you're going to get your questions answered more quickly as well yeah i think so i find um when i'm coaching one you know i'm noticing repeat themes in when i coach vfx professionals and there's quite a lot of frustration compared to a couple of years ago and then i might say well what would you have done in the office and i'll say well i would have asked so and so it's like okay so that's what you need to do you might not be in Mm -hmm. the office but you need to reach out to that person they're like Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just because I can't turn to them, I can still contact them. It just takes a bit more thought, a bit more sort of deliberate deliberate intent. Reach out if you're stuck. Reach out if you're in trouble. Reach out if you think, oh, my God, I'm really stumped on this and I'm I'm worried about it. You're not an island. You're not, you know, you're not, you know, you are, you are surrounded by people. So you must use that resource. believe in the power of a question mark (laughs) asking questions always all the time there's no stupid question ever I know that I think that's been said on the podcast before but really the the power of it and just because it's a trigger point it's like oh what kind of answer am I going to get and sometimes people will need some time to answer it um but that being able to ask questions and always hone in on communication skills like I read uh, nonviolent communication a couple of years ago and being able to make requests to people in a way that was very calm and composed. And I felt that that made a huge change in the way that I manage even my self-talk um, and also talking to other people. So just yeah. making sure that we always are a student all the time, as much yeah. as we might mentor other people at, and lead teams, Agreed. asking questions and just make sure your communication is good. I think that it's incredible what happens when you ask for help. Mm. I think if you reach out to someone on the a colleague or someone who's quote unquote above you in the team, um, or even who's been where you've been before and 
just not at the same time you can still learn so much and still rely on the people around you so much. So I always say delegate to elevate. And it's not just for others, it's for yourself as well. It's just that you feel so much lighter when you've expressed that you need some help for a small problem, a big one, whatever. It's, I think, not being shy and not taking everything on uh, your own shoulders. Because I've definitely burned myself on a few projects where I would work so long because I didn't want to burden other people with the amount of work I had and where I could have just said well can you do this this way so it's easier for me to find the notes or can you stay with me so instead of me doing six hours maybe we can do three three and I'll get you dinner if, if it's something yeah. that was in my list of responsibilities yeah. but yeah asking for help I think that was the biggest thing for me because it really helps with your mental health and it's a form of self-care to just ask for help when you need it. Yeah. I will say that after all this time, I realized that there's something important that is um, don't be shy if you don't know. And don't be shy to ask people. Yeah. Um, a big error that we always do when we, we starting, you know, is that we, we scare to, to ask for help. Mm. We, we try to put everything on ourselves, And that makes that sometimes you have to realize that just having the help of somebody can help you a lot. And it's it goes to the point to say you also have to prioritize your mental health above everything else, regardless what's coming your way. So if you can have some help of some people that can help you do a shot, just ask them. You know, people are nice. People, most of the time when they see that you need help, mm. they, they, will, they will help you. And if they cannot, maybe they're going to direct you to somebody who can help you out. Yeah. So I would say yes. Don't don't put everything on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. At what point in your career did you learn that after out of interest? Um, I will say that to be honest, me, I'm I'm always somebody who like to to talk to people. I always love to learn from people. Mm -hmm. So uh, even at MPC, it didn't take long yeah. for me to start doing this because you know I, I always feel that you always learn a lot from others. Yeah. You know and. I remember sometime I had this shot that I was struggling for almost a week and there was this uh, chord that just came and she's like, why don't you just do it like that? You know, a silly, a silly way of doing it. And it just went, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be done. So I'll say I'm the type of person who always been talking to others. So that helped a lot. And having a mentor like Benoit Robert who told me that yeah. before going into the industry yeah so that preps me to be able to you know relax about it but don't get me wrong i put a lot though on myself yeah but after a couple of years you realize that you know it's it's fine yeah and that's the that's the foundation of that answer there is your mentor told you that yeah Absolutely. and that's the power of mentoring is to get that um enlightenment and to get that clarity at that point in your career because some people don't get it some people get hired to do a role because they believe they, they've been hired because they're the experts at whatever they've been hired to do so for them to show any kind of vulnerability it's arguably weakness uh people are terrified of going actually i don't know this or you know and like you say you end up procrastinating on something for weeks and weeks where it can be solved as you say in a heartbeat with a complete shortcut or clear bit of advice um so i think that's really really great great advice and, and a great lesson lesson to learn We'll touch more on mental health, which was a popular topic of discussion in our next episode. Our third big theme on the pod was simply golden nuggets of excellent advice. So kicking off the advice segment, here's CCO Tim Weber, live from this year's FMX, on looking at the bigger picture. Followed by Matt Hughes and Debbie Coleman on squiggly career paths into leadership how micromanaging has the opposite effect and how leadership is a craft and art form not to be ignored. I would, slightly referring back to, you know, who my mentors were, I would say, look at the bigger picture. Whatever you're doing at, at any point in the process, um, try and understand how what you do fits in with you know, the bigger picture and try and see it from a bigger picture viewpoint to see 
what people want you to do, how they want you to do it, to, to, you know, to understand people working alongside you, what they need, etc. Don't get too focused in your particular job, I think. Yeah. Um, that enables you to do your job well and it enables you to be ready to move on to the next stage and move up. Listening and being patient, I think, are two, two things for me. Where it's listening to the brief again, just to make sure I'm getting I'm getting the brief correct. I'm kind of asking questions about that brief if I'm not sure, not just sort of blindly going, "Yep, yeah, understood," and walking away, and then ten minutes later going, "Oh, damn, I don't know, I don't really know what, what what the point of that brief was." That's, that's I think that's a lesson there. And also, just being a bit patient, not trying to um, rush things, but also waiting for uh, things to fall into place sometimes. You know, because it's a kind of chain reaction. You do something, someone else does something, and it comes back to you. There's a sort of loop there, uh, and just sort of you know being patient on that loop sometimes. Um, yeah, give people that space, particularly to your point around quality. Yeah, it doesn't happen by you know pushing people. You know, you've got to yeah within reason give people that space right to deliver. Yes, I think uh, you know, nobody likes to be micromanaged. Anyone, you know. Yeah, it's, it feels like. Uh, it almost has the opposite effect, yeah. actually. You know, it, it, people, if you if you kind of do that and don't give people space and time, uh, you get a better, you get a worse result, actually. Yeah, I agree. You get something which is just okay. I've done it. I've done. I'm done with it. It's great. Thank you. Whereas you give people a bit of space to own the thing they're working on and invest in it, you get a much more crafted thing back. Because it is still a craft. All these individual disciplines, it's, it's a craft. It's an art form. It's not. It's not a just to click a button and I've, I've finished the task. Yeah. You know, you're trying to make something, or whether it's compositing, look, they have lighting, you know, creating art, really. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. Don't worry about uh, the software. Don't worry about um, trying to say I'm I'm in this camp on this bit of software or on that camp on this bit of software. I think it's just being open-minded and continuing to be open-minded as you as you progress through your career and, and to you know, not not fall into a camp of I, I just do this or I just do that. To think of it as a every opportunity is like a different thing, different way of looking at an, ex, an experience. Uh, you know, um, but don't don't box yourself in too early. Uh, I talk a lot about squiggly careers and how there's no linear di- uh, diagonal line to no. you know global head of anything. There's a lot of twists and turns and life situations and professional situations. You may start off in modeling and end up in, in writing. I, I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, that's if you keep an open mind, you might find something in the department, in the, in the company you work for that really, really gets your, you know, sort of excitement and attention. And you think, actually, that's what I really want to do. So, you know, I mean, if you're doing that on your own, the next sort of evolution is you're leading a show and it may be a small show to start with. But then you're juggling things that you're doing, plus helping the guys in your team at the same time. And I think that's the sort of foundation of then you figure out, do you like doing it? Do you like you know that extra responsibility? That's the, the, the point at which you, you say, is it for me? Is it not for me? And a lot of the time in terms of leadership is about communication, about listening, about helping, um, and trying to get things to come together. It becomes less about you and the asset that you're working on so in effect if you really love just working on the best asset and doing having all that time for yourself then leadership is not something you're going to have time to do both basically something will have to give so i feel like for me anyway it's been like an evolution you're kind of building up and it's like every show that goes by you're getting a bit more experience a bit more knowledge and it keeps adding up and adding up over time until you can feel more confident about taking on bigger, bigger projects. And you don't just jump into that. <laughs> it builds in a, an organic way. Yeah. So I can hear quite a lot there about, yeah, that having time, having time to grow. As, so as you gain more experience, you grow, you take on more responsibility and, and see if it suits you, you know, if it's what you want to be doing. Yeah. I think that's an important thing. I think sometimes people have a, sort of they want to go into that area they want to lead a team and they want to you know may, may have a pre-misconception of it as well what it's about and I, th- I think sometimes don't rush into something you know sort of feel your way into it don't do it to just for the sake of doing it then just to get that you know 
that title you know feel like feel your way into it and if you feel like that that's what i want to do you know try and go for it but don't go too soon is my my thing up next here's a cacophony of advice from vicky osborne on turning out work and being productive Martin McRae on practicing and not being intimidated by those we aspire to be. Suzanne Jandu on how positivity goes a long way. Engie Giroux on the perils of perfectionism and how to maintain your resilience. Abdu Sako on not giving up, working hard, but taking care of your mental health and having fun and following your dreams. Jimmy Vaughan on finding your true north and maintaining focus. And Framestore Pictures executive producer, Michelle Waxman, on learning every day, showing up, the privilege of making media, and the responsibility of representation. So enjoy the back-to-back advice bonanza coming up next. I think there's a lot of emphasis put on the actual work that you do and cutting a showreel and that kind of thing and while that's very very important for you to put your best work out there I'm going to go back to the people thing again because I think that when you put your work out there you 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 tend to I think when you're younger and starting out put all of the emphasis on the work that you're putting out and you forget about you and how important you are as a person to getting that job I would say to throw a bit more emphasis on on your personality, your interactions with people, your hobbies, everything that makes up who you are that goes along with that work is just as important as the work that you're putting out there. And I think to not forget that would be my advice because people aren't just hiring you for what you can do, you know, as a skill, as a, you know, the actual work. I think they're also hiring who you are as a person, as a more well-rounded problem-solving, curious person that, that maybe does other things as well, that has other skills. Um, I, think, I think people sometimes forget the emphasis of that too. Practice, practice, and practice. <laughs> I've said this a few times before. The, the three pillars. Just going, oh, God, he's saying that again. <laughs> um, but no, it's, you're not going to get instant results. Um, especially with sort of modern life nowadays, everyone's kind of the Google generation where, you know, everything is, happens quick and fast. If you want to get good at this this kind of style of work, you literally, if you've got a passion, just keep practicing. You will get better. Let that sort of drive drive you forward. So, yeah, I would just say yeah. keep at it and keep doing it because everyone reaches a point where you have that thing going, oh, God, I'm crap, I can't do this. Yeah. yeah. Just keep practicing. I've seen artists sort of go from, mediocre kind of concept artists to rock stars i mean it, it happens yeah, you got to do the work and it's yeah. you just got to get practiced and yeah keep at it yeah i agree it's funny i was, I was i've been re- kind of going through some old podcast material on it working on a separate project and on a few few clicks back on this podcast i was reading a book on mindset and i kept banging on about growth versus fixed mindset and the whole thing about fixed mindset is exactly as you say martin it is the I couldn't possibly do that. And people look at the work we do. I mean, yeah, again, it's intimidating. I mean, I look at, I flick through the concept art books on all the coffee tables at Framestorm and go, oh my God, that is nuts. I could never get to that. Yeah. But that's fixed mindset speaking. That is kind of limiting beliefs. And actually, like you say, if you just do it, it's like anything. You can, anybody can be an artist, learn to play the piano. I always say talent is overrated because it's more about just doing the work and, and, yeah. and wanting to do it. And if you, you put in the hours of practice totally. daily, you're going to, whether it's playing the guitar, playing the drums, or or, or being a, becoming a, a, an accomplished artist, you know. Because I, I remember, I remember sitting in in um, a hallway um, with my portfolio, left school, trying to get um, into a college. And I remember sitting there waiting for my, my appointment, and I was looking on the wall, and there was all these framed framed uh, artwork on the wall of students' work in mm. in the in the college. And I was going, bloody hell! There's no way I can paint as good as this. And I was thinking, right, that's it. This is going to be a disaster. They're going to go, thanks, but yeah, next. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's very intimidating when you you, you mm. see that quality and you think, oh god, I can't reach that. But yeah, it's it's that little thick voice in your head that you just have to ignore and go, mm. right, no, I want to do this. I'm going to try and yeah. just keep keep at it. The answer I came up with was positivity. Nice. Positivity goes a very long way. Um, 
And it's especially important because we do work very long hours, um, especially being at the end of the pipeline. We're responsible for so much, um, you know, quality, you know, anything goes wrong, we're the people who fix it. So just remembering to keep your chin up. And there's, you know, there's ways of doing that. Um, taking breaks, yeah. getting fresh air, talking to your neighbors. And it's, I think it's very, very important. Yeah. To a certain extent, be your own boss. Check your own work and trust your own instincts. Uh, you can ask yourself if you were presenting this to your favorite director, would you be proud to show it? If not, uh, you can ask for help so you can grow your skill set. I love that. I love that. It's kind of like a like really strong prep, isn't it? I love the idea of you know presenting to your favorite director. You know, really kind of leveling up the uh, the anxiety. You know, pre- presenting to Christopher Nolan or presenting to Steven Spielberg. Exactly. Or, but, I, but I like that. It's almost kind of role play going on, which I quite like. Very strong. I love it. It's important to take ownership of your work. Yeah, I really like that. I just like this kind of uh, sense. And I know we're touching on this in this episode around kind of taking a step back and breathing and pausing and just kind of, you know, don't just kind of, it's like anything, you, you, you do get that first draft and hit submit, you know, it's not just about favourite directors, right? It's about anybody, you know, sharing it with uh, your peers or, or, or people outside of your department, you know, get, get as many sets of eyes on it as possible. So I think that's really good, really good advice. I would say the most important one that I am still kind of figuring out as I'm going still um, is I I tend to be a perfectionist. So when something goes wrong, I go through this phase of being really frustrated with myself. Um, and I realize over time that this is such a waste of time, this like phase of frustration. Um, so what I'm trying to learn um, with time is to kind of reduce that frustration phase to, to make it as short as it can be so I can jump right away into problem solving rather than wasting yeah. time on frustration. I think that is the biggest thing that I'm working on right now for me. Yeah. How do you minimize that out of interest? Because I'm asking out of personal interest because I saw the <laughs> same, same affliction. Um, I think better control of emotions. Okay. Um, I, th- I tend to be a very emotional person, so my emotions sometimes can cloud my judgment and cloud you know, me thinking in a very logical way. So I try to calm the emotions down um, and then focus on seeing things logically. And that's a really good way for me to get to problem solving right away. But then my emotions have to be released other ways. So that's when I do maybe a lot of sports or dancing or, you know, I re- watch films and cry with the films. <laughs> so I try to release my emotions outside of work hours. So I'm very logical during work hours. Yeah. I think this is something that I always say, resilience. Um, I think you need really strong res- resilience to make your way in. Um, because the industry is really competitive and you might send your application once and twice and three times and keep sending until you make your way through. Um, and you're going to get in one day, obviously, because at the end of the day, they need people to do the work. Um, it's just a matter of having that patience and resilience to, you know, put a portfolio together, put a showreel, send it. Okay, not good enough to get me the job that I need. I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to send it again. Right, not good enough. That's fine. I'm going to go back to it. Keep working, sending it again. So just having that resilience and, again, that fighting spirit to just know what you want. You're going to get it one day for sure, but it's just a matter of how much fighting you need to do to get to where you want to get to. Um, And I think you do need to be a good fighter to make your way in, especially if you don't have connections. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your testament to that, Benji, as we've already established, but I think it's a huge one, isn't it? It's about, it's not just about not taking no for an answer. It's almost seeing it as a, and again, it's going back to the kind of that project management theme we're talking about as well is like, you know, you know, taking the advice, tweaking approach, tweaking, you know, you know, changes to whether it's a real or CV or how you interview, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's all about sharpening your tool set, isn't it? At, at the end of the day, and you can't do that without taking those hits along the way it's very rare that you apply for that that first job and you get it you know it happens okay yeah. very rarely but it, yeah and again it goes back to the squiggly career paths i always talk about you know you, nobody has that diagonal line to success there's always the peaks and troughs and setbacks and life events and all kinds of stuff that happens to us as human mm. beings along the way i'll say remember that you're here because it's a choice that you made and dream that you want to accomplish. And you have to understand that life is not always that easy. So it won't always be a walk in the park. But if you believe in what you're doing, mm-hmm. and if you seek for the help of what you're doing, you will make it. 
the most the best thing I'll say is that do not give up. You know, and it's very important that people understand that the industry that we're in, it's not always easy. And it's very important. That's something that I always tell to my student. That I say, yes, you see, you see us right now happy. We tell you that we worked on that. We worked on this. But you have also to have the mental capability to understand that this requires also work, mm. you know. So you have to be ready for that, and you need to have fun, you know. It's 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 a job that we're doing it because we love what we're doing. You need to have fun with it. But again, I know I said it before. The most important throughout the whole thing is make sure that your mental health yeah. you take care of it. That's important because when you do 72 hours overtime, sometimes you don't even think anymore. Yeah. Take that time that you need for yourself. And again, don't be shy to ask help. Mm. It's, it's a team effort here and we all here for each other at the end of the day. I like that you brought back the, the goals conversation because it's identified true north. I think for me is 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 one of those kind of like crucial things to have learned is identify true north, be able to understand in no matter what the situation, because it's always going to be varied. It's always going to be something new. Um, it's being able to get refocused, don't like not losing your direction, because whatever the goal is or, or or sometimes whatever the circumstance in order to get to the goal, you're going to have to come up with all kinds of new ways. And it's never going to actually roll out the way that you actually planned it or thought it was going to. But if you maintain that focus on like, ah, but this is true North, I now know how I can move that thing to get closer to that area. I might've had to take a left or a right here, or I might've even had to take two steps back, but I know that I'm still focused in the right direction, right? In order to get, so it's, so for me, I think that it's been kind of critical to always remember, what are your guiding principles? Where's your true north? That every day has a new lesson. You know, that at, like literally every single day I learn something new um, is probably the biggest thing that you never, as much as you prepare, as much as you, you know, try and plot and plan and prepare for everything, there will always be surprises. And, um, and oftentimes it's something that you've never done, you know, you've never seen, you've never experienced. So you just have to kind of, okay, yeah. this is new. Let's figure it out. Let's, Brilliant. you know, it's. Yeah. Finding somebody who may know about this particular thing more than me, so let's let's all figure it out together. I think if you if you stop learning, then you should just stop. Exactly. There's no, you know what I mean, because it's there's some there's so much to learn from, you know, the people who've been doing it forever. But there's totally. so much to learn from the people who are just starting out and being yeah, so totally. scrappy and interesting with the way that they're doing things. It's it's changing so fast, you know. So. And that's just baby storytelling or yeah. or producing or whatnot. Like it's, you're learning from every degree. Oh, without a doubt. Show up, you know, show up in every capacity of it. Show up for your peers. Um, be on time. Be a part of the process. Um, you know, even if it's not your job right now, think about solutions, Um how to help people, you know, really just show up, um, be a linchpin in any way that you possibly can make yourself indispensable. Um, mm. I think that's, that's a, that's a big one for me. Like, you know, you're just because your body is there doesn't mean you've shown up. Yeah. Um, really like on all sort of firing on all cylinders show up. Um, and then the other ones just be nice. Be nice, like, right. be nice. Yeah. you know, cool. I know. Say good morning, yes. say hello, yeah, 100%. Yeah, help people out. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It goes a long way. It's a, it's a privilege, it's a real yeah. privilege to do this because it is something that, um, human culture is pretty unique in the way that we continue to tell stories to each other and preserve history and um and underlying emotion and move each other um and that's i mean that's part of the reason why i think you know the something that we're really passionate about is increasing the diversity of our roster of storytellers 
because the authenticity of those stories is super important. You know, making sure that that we're able to tell things from the perspective of a broad range of people um, and sharing it with the world. So you can see people's struggle, you can see people's joys, you can, you know, because not none of us have the same experience in our lives. We don't have the same upbringing. Um, culturally, we're all diverse and, and, you know, that's really important. It's a great responsibility that we have to tell those stories, to share those stories and educate and um, entertain through these storytellers. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's, and, and there is a lot of importance to it. We might not be operating on somebody and saving their life, but there is a great responsibility to it. The issue is that it's, it's, is very validating for us, but we have to remember that part of our responsibility is to help validate other people, you know, and that's what storytelling does is that people see a piece of themselves and they become validated, you know, they become empowered by these stories and see themselves and, and that's part of the responsibility, you know, and that's why we want to tell things that are as authentic as possible and, and varied and, um, and, and we have a lot of work to do in that capacity. We're not doing it yet. We're not doing a, the tip of the iceberg yet. We have mm-hmm. to be pushing ourselves constantly because it's not just validating ourselves. It's, it's trying to tell stories that validate other people as well. Wow, what a selection. It's so cool listening to these clips all at once, isn't it? As a learning and development podcast, we love to learn too. We always ask our guests, what's one question you wish I'd asked you? Here's some highlights. First up, our conversation with Martin McRae, and then on this year's Pride episode with VFX shoot manager, Jack Grealish, and LA studio operations lead, Gabby Siegel. So Martin, what's one question you wish I'd asked you? I can think of a million questions. I'm glad you didn't ask. <laughs> do, you, do you wish I'd asked you about your composing? Because I'm very interested to hear more about your music. Because honestly, I'm not just saying that. And I said it at the start. I, I, while I was kind of writing that very long intro, I was listening to the playlist you've got on your your website, and it's great. It's super dramatic. It's wicked. Honestly, I feel I should have it in my ears when I'm walking about and soundtracking yeah. my life, like I'm in a Mission Impossible film. Or something. <laughs> but it sounds great. It's amazing work. What, how? What's your? Do you still compose? Do you have time to compose now? Do you, is it something that's a ongoing passion? It's. It's. Oh God, I wish. I'm slightly embarrassed. You actually listened to it. I was like, God, you actually listened to it. Someone's. I'm a, I'm a completist. I go deep on the research. No, it's it's something that's been there all my life because it was really earlier on. I was I was thinking of going that direction, mm. music wise. Um, so it's always been something that I've always done, loved. Um, so I used to play in rock bands and all sorts when I was younger. Okay, anybody I'd know? No. Any any signed acts? No, no, nothing, nothing famous. Just um, lots of local bands. Well, up in Scotland, there was lots of local, nice. local bands I was playing in. So I was always actually really into. It. And then I just got into the composing thing years later. Mm playing um because i play all sorts of different instruments but i always wanted to because my again fascination fascination with with films um i always wanted to do that kind of thing and obviously yeah i've got a day job but <laughs> but i just when i get the time um in a in an in a ideal world i have time to be able to do that and this but it's 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 almost impossible yeah fair enough What I always found interesting, I suppose, looking back, looking back over my 10 years, um, <laughs> is how how my mental health has struggled and changed mm. and, and sort of, you know, gone through the paces of the industry. You know, it's not it's not easy, especially yeah. in shoot production. You know, there's I remember when I went to um, Cardiff for the Start Materials the first time. I had never done set work before. And so I had an incredible amount of imposter syndrome. And I had no idea really of what I should be doing or, or if I was doing a good job or, you know, that sort of that sort of stuff. And it was really difficult. Hmm. And it was, you know, it was it was hard to sort of get out of that. And I know I'm not alone in that. I know a lot of yeah. people across not even just in shoot, shoot production, you know, across all departments and in all hmm. industries. Um, have that as well 
But I think, you know, the industry that we are working in, there's a lot of pressure, you know, people work yeah. to the bone. Um, and there is a great deal of, of, of help, you know, being offered. But I think, I think it's, it would be nice if we all actually just talked about it a bit more rather than, yeah. you know, I mean, I know it's, it can be a really deeply personal thing for people, for, for some people and, or for a lot of people maybe. And they kind of choose the more singular, um, private route, but mm. you know, it's, it's, it's a big thing that happens to all of us. And, and I think we kind of all need to be aware that we're all kind of not suffering, but struggling in our, in yeah. our own way at times, not all the time. But, you know, sometimes, absolutely. It's almost like, I think, pride of it. Sorry to interrupt. It's just like, just to bring awareness to to just that stuff. Everyone's dealing with it, big or yeah. small. Um, just a matter of, you know, bringing it to the forefront and talking about it. Like, yeah. it's like it's not a big deal because it's not a big deal. It's like people go yeah. through it. People have to deal with it. And it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. I like to say we're only delivering commercials, not babies. So if you ever oh. think it's going to be too hard, just think yeah. of that. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, we're not we aren't saving lives it's it, it this this stuff does need to get done of course you know i'm not saying you know put down tools everyone and, and walk out of the building but you know put things in perspective if this if this stuff is is overflowing into into your own personal life and in your own mind in a really negative way make sure you catch those flags and make sure that you you do what you need to help that Jack's conversation about mental health in our industry is only the tip of the iceberg. Expect a deeper dive into the many guests who brought it up in conversation in our second highlights episode, dropping just in time for the holidays. Before we go, we want to hear from you. What question do you wish was on the dailies? Details on sharing your thoughts will go out in this week's launch email. So look out for that. So that concludes this week's special highlights episode. A massive thank you to all of our guests that featured on this part and of course on their own episodes, namely Russell Dodgson, Tim Weber, Patricia Laguno, Ellen Boss, Matthews, Abdu Sako, Jack Grealish, Gabby Siegel, NG Jerouge, Suzanne Jandu, M Hackley, Vicky Osborne, Michelle Waxman, Martin McRae, Lorna Dumba, Jimmy Vaughan, Raphael Weiss. As always, a big shout out to Sam Sosnowski from the Global Training Team for knitting all of this together. In just two weeks, we return with our second Highlights episode celebrating one year of the Framestore podcast. But until then, take care and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.